Tell me when you're recording, because i got a perfect way to open this oh, show. Oh, we're recording. All right. Oh, okay, perfect. <laughs> then I'll start right there. You want to know what I found out yesterday I agreed to do a couple months ago? Sure. I'm going to go talk at ACB National Convention on behalf of ACB Next Generation about organization uh, skills. Huh. All right, Dan. <laughs> Mallory thinks it's hilarious. I think it's funny, too, because... It is funny. We're going to talk about how everyone, one of the topics that we're going to bring up is you might think someone has everything all together and they might appear to have everything all together, but you don't know what's going on behind the scenes sometimes. Yep. Because life happens. Yep. And it's true all across the board. Like all you see is what you see. You're, you're not, you know, if you don't live with a person, you you absolutely are missing out on a lot of what's behind the scenes there. Uh, you know, believe that. So when you see people posting all this nice, beautiful life stuff, like I, I would hope that people, you know, our age and up are mature enough to realize that you're not seeing a, a live stream of their life on Facebook. You're seeing a picture that they or a video that they chose to post to facebook or you know twitter instagram whatever the case may be uh so what you're seeing is the best part of that like you know people aren't showing you what they look like when they get out of bed or you know the pile of bills that's on the corner of the dining room table that they really need to pay uh the little pink slips on the top of that like you don't see any of that stuff you know you just see them hanging out at the the water park like man that must be fun i wish i could go to the water park I think it's funny, though, that we need to preface it with, in most instances, what you see on social media is not someone's live stream life, because we all know that there is those that do happen. But yep. that glamorous stuff you see is it's not what it always is about, for sure. So, Demasi, we wanted to start out and thank. Uh, I think I'm going to give that as a perk to someone who Wait, supports us. we did us. this already. Did we? I didn't yeah. know you were recording when I said that we thanked them. Well, I know we oh, thanked them last no, time. No, not that part. No, we, we, we thanked them in the last show, I think. Yeah, that's what I was getting to. See, this is oh. how it's being made. I think one of the perks is we should open the show by thanking all of our supporters. And since we have a supporter now, thank you to you, supporter. With the hey.com email address. <laughs> uh, yeah. Person with hey.com email address. Uh, we appreciate you. Yep. And if you would like us to actually name you, like just email us and we'll, you know, tell us what you want us to call you. And we'll do that also. But I'm not going to be creepy and go social media. You just so you know, no, nope, right? not doing it. <laughs> I, nope. I, I, I mean, you should nope. know by now that I wasn't going to do it anyway. It didn't even cross my mind. The only reason I'm saying no now is because Michael just brought it up right this second. It didn't <laughs> even occur to me to do such a thing. <laughs> not at all. Uh, and we're not going to give out, you know, but just to make sure that you are aware that we're aware that you're supporting us, we are, you know, putting out your hey.com email address, uh, so that, you know, we're talking about you. So we do appreciate you. Thank you. And one of us will email you eventually. It's just so much easier to thank you on the show. So why you're listening to the show makes my life easier. I was supposed to email you. Let's put it out there. Like I was, I told Michael, I'll do it. Like Mike wasn't even like, Hey, can you do this? I was like, he's like, do you want to email this person? You want me to do it? I said, no, man, I'll do it. I got it. No problem. Right. And then I didn't do it now. Well, I just didn't do it. I mean, I can search for Michael in my email and find the email that he forwarded to me and make that happen. But mm, thank you. So we're thanking you on the show. 
So we used to host a show called the DM series. And the first episode we ever posted was manage that inbox. And I think this transitions into a good discussion that I want to retouch on. And that is how are you managing your inbox? Because I... Uh, listeners of last week's episode know that I had well over 5,000 email and it got to 7,000. And I got frustrated. So I just did a control A and delete. And now I have 394 emails, which to me looks a lot more manageable. I don't know the, the decision I made was the right decision, but I'm curious, what are you doing with inbox or emails, Demasi? Because I can search for anything if I need to find it, is my thought. I just want to say on the flip side, so you did that command all delete when? Yep. When, when did you do that? Mm, I think it was Monday or Tuesday. Yeah, that's what I was remembering. It was like Monday or Tuesday we had this conversation. So Hold on. The oldest message that I now have in my mess in my inbox is the 22nd and today's the 26th. Okay. So while 394 is a much more manageable number than 7,000, <laughs> I am annoyed on your behalf that you got 394 emails in the past four days. I would be enraged. Like I would start unsubscribing and blocking. I would probably just change my email address. Like I, that is ridiculous. See, and I thought about that. I, I, I did think about that. And maybe that's what I need to do is just take all my at your own pay email emails. Cause that's where a lot of it's coming from and move those into a label and then search for stuff as it comes up. But I'm not the type of person that's going to, I'm just going to keep hitting delete. And I guess that's, Maybe what I've gotten used to. I'm not going to go in and keep hitting unsubscribe. Well, I mean, let's be honest. I'm not going to go open. What was that tool Doug suggested to us? I don't remember. It was not SaneBox, but that's what we were talking about back in DM1. Yeah, I remember the one you're talking about. What was this called? Uh, They just sent me an email. Funnily enough. (laughs) (laughs) Is it clean mail, I think? Maybe. Maybe. Now I think it's clean. Now we're both looking it up. Now we're both looking it up. Clean dot email. Yep. Yep. So here's the thing. And, and maybe it is worth reinvestigating one of those because when we did that initial episode, oh, let me go back and ask you your question though. How am I managing my inbox? Poorly is, is the answer to that question. Okay. Very, very badly. Uh, yeah. Part of the reason that I have not replied to our subscriber uh, as of yet is because in between you sending me the email, us having a conversation, recording the next show, and then you asking, you know, did did I want to email them or did I want you to do it or whatever, I have gotten probably well more than 394 (laughs) emails in my inbox. (laughs) And legitimately, and I'm not saying the person doesn't matter. I hope no one takes it that way. But a lot of it has been work stuff. And like, I got to get the work done because the work pays the bills. The work is what helps keep the show on the air. I appreciate the subscriber uh, very much. And I would like to get some more because then maybe I don't have to work as hard uh, with everything else. But my inbox is terrible, dude. And I have filters in place. Like, that's the sad thing about it for me is I have several filters in place to move non-consequential yet I want to be able to find it easily email out of the way such as receipts hmm. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so you know most of the emails if they match a couple of specific patterns automatically go to a receipts folder for me which I can very easily pull 
when it's time to deal with taxes or any kind of financials or, or I need to figure out like who just charged me for something or, or something. Yeah. Right. Uh, you know, a few slip through there because I'm not being too aggressive. Uh, so a lot of times people will send an invoice uh, email, even though you just paid it as opposed to right. a receipt email, they're probably using WooCommerce. Uh, <laughs> so those will end up in the inbox and I'll just hit a keystroke to move them to the receipts folder and, and Apple mail, uh, on the Mac. That's one of the reasons I keep using Apple mail too, is like the shortcut support for setting up like, Hey, I want to, you know, move stuff to this folder. Mm-hmm. Uh, continues to work for me better. Mimestream is out of beta. Yeah. For people that may remember us talking about Mimestream, the Gmail mail app for the Mac. Uh, it's not an email app for the Mac. It's a Gmail app for the Mac. Yes. Uh, but it's out of beta. Yeah, five bucks a month, 50 bucks a year. Not sure if I care that much about it. I mean, I, I don't. I don't. I mean, I used it while it was in beta, while it was free, and I was comfortable I mean, I actually with it, stopped but I went it. back to mail. Yeah, I actually stopped using it well before it was out of beta and kind of went yeah. back to mail. Like this last, I think, I know for sure this last wipe of the Mac, I did not reinstall it. I, I think prior to that, I either still had it installed or had stopped using it because I moved AT guys. I tried to do the thing where I had AT guys email in there. <laughs> One problem for me with Mimestream and the reason that I'm not interested in, in, in switching over is because Apple Mail works and it works consistently for the ways I need it to consistently work, which number one top priority for me is selecting text inside of an email. I need that to work every single time I do it because if I'm trying to select and copy text inside of an email body, I need it. And that didn't always work with Mindstream. And, you know, as much as I do it on the web, I don't want to have to do it in email, copy a whole lot of text with VO shift C mm. just to get the little bit of it out of there, like the confirmation number or something that I may need. I just want to select the text, copy and paste. This kind of goes into Kayaker's discussion about the map. Was it, no, was it Kayaker that was talking about yeah. how frustrating it was? Like, it's the little things. I was thinking about this today. I was in Parallels, just knocking down some tickets, just going through, getting stuff done, you know, copy-paste, and just reliably getting stuff done. The thing, the glitches that I ran into were not Windows-related. They were Michael's using a Windows in a virtual environment-related. Um, and, and I think you can probably relate to those. Um, for me, for example, I go to hit command tab, which is to me to switch applications and then switch applications, just not where I wanted <laughs> right. applications. And so that, that wasn't those glitches. And, you know, every once in a while I get a little stutter with NVDA because I've been using NVDA a lot more, but I, I don't know. I, I'm comfortable in windows and I like the Mac. I was talking with Allison on a recording yesterday about how I keep going back to the Mac. But when I just want to get something done for for a lot of things, especially especially related to text on the web, getting things done for me is better on Windows and more reliable. Yeah, I, I have noted that with some things. Um, I need to start using some more of the tools in Windows, like things that are slightly frustrating on the Mac. And it's not, you know, I don't know if it's a Mac or a website issue, but slightly frustrating on the Mac maybe you know, potentially frustration free or reduce frustration on Windows. And I just haven't tried those tools because I'm comfortable where I'm at in Mac OS. 
like you, well, I guess for me, it's not even coming back to the Mac because I've never, since I switched to the Mac, I haven't left. And there are reasons for that. Some of it is, you know, sometimes the only computer I could afford was the one that I already had. Right? So I can't go out and buy a new one mm-hmm. uh, because I'm getting frustrated with this one. Uh, and I can't sell this one to buy the next one because, well, I need the computer in the, in-, in the meantime just to keep the lights on. Or what if I sell this one, buy a Windows computer? It's like, you know, I really don't like this Windows. Mm. Uh, you know, and you got to learn it because you haven't been there, right? That is another part of it. That's another thing, which is it's, a lot of it has just come back. Like it's not right. Even getting around in Windows itself, like a lot of it is still there, still relevant. Uh, you know, there's a few new things to adjust to, and some odd behaviors, or I would say odd decisions Microsoft has made in Windows 11 versus my last full-time Windows uses, which was 7. Uh, you know, big difference there, major gaps. Uh, but yeah, for me, the Mac is, there are things I know I cannot go without that are on the Mac that I, I rely on or, you know, allow me to, you know, be in position to do things very quickly. Most of that at this point is now surrounding audio, but there's things that I don't think about. Like, you know, now that I'm thinking about, it, I just said most of it surrounds audio. No, a lot of them are like the services on Mac OS, like mm. you know, the markdown services, like those sorts of things for me yes. are, again, they're background things, right? Cause you don't see them. They're not in your face. I just use them. You know, if I reset a Mac or get a new Mac and I go to write a, somewhat lengthy email or something with some more detail in it and don't want to make a bulleted list. I'll write all of that in Markdown because it's just natural to write it in Markdown. Mm-hmm. And then I'll hit command. I mean, control R, uh, select all command A and then control R. And if nothing happens, I realize like, oh, either I didn't set up the shortcut for that Markdown service, convert Markdown to rich text or I ain't installed Brett service tools yet. And I need to get on that because this computer <laughs> is broken. See, and I haven't gotten that far into Brett's tools, and I need to because that would make my workflow a lot easier because I'm still opening drafts, writing in Markdown, and then copying as rich text with the action. So I really should get those tools, service tools installed because that means I could just do it in mail. And I, we, I, we've talked about it several times. Like, There's a video out there on it. Yes, there is. is it, has it been published? Yeah, it has, I think. Yep, if, if not, it's been recorded. <laughs> it definitely has been recorded. Uh, that's that's the problem with the content that we're producing right now. I don't know what's produced, what's published. Yeah. Anyways. Uh, but, but we do thing, have a way to... Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, it's little things like that. Now, you know, going back to that drafts thing, I've actually started writing emails in drafts again uh, because that, that little send with mail app uh, still works. So I'll write all my mail in Markdown and run that action and use that little sending with mail app on on the Mac. And it's grand. Every time I rediscover that Zendesk will let you give it Markdown directly and you don't have to convert, it blows my mind. I I, I think I've called Demasi like two or three times. Hey, did you know Zendesk <laughs> takes Markdown? Demasi's like, yeah, you called me and told me that like two weeks ago. And every time it's the list. It's the list. Every it's time. the list. Like I was mentioning it's just the list. They and work. They just did this thing. It was like, yeah. 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 But you can also do headings. One tip if you are using Zendesk and you're like, that's cool. But uh, whenever I put a number sign before a line, put a blank line between where you want your heading to end. And I think that's just generic for any. Um, that is typical. Markdown. So I'll say this that is the way you're supposed to do it with Markdown. Uh, at least my understanding is that. 
some applications let you get away with not doing it because they're looking at what you intend to do. Uh, another thing that may work and, and here is just put two spaces at the end of it, of the ah. end of your heading that, that also breaks the line for markdown. Uh, okay. So maybe you don't we'll have that. to do the blank lines. So we came up with, well, let me rephrase that. Demasi decided to use a tool that we've been complaining about slash using slash not using and putting ideas for the show in it. And I finally decided to open it and take a look. So great list of things here, Demasi. Absolutely nothing I put in there. So you want to chat about the recent Reaper episode first or what do you want to get into? Oh, well, that's great. I can't even read my list in Fantascal on the Mac. That's awesome. So I'm going to start doing, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to go look at this, but while I'm doing that, I'm going to tell you a thing I thought about last night that I want to start doing. So we often discuss like the whole problem that the process that goes into creating a good bug report so that you communicate accurately as best as you possibly can, like what is happening here with voiceover in your app and what I would expect to happen. Right. Right. So I decided I'm not going to go through all of that crap. I will go through the effort of recording a screencast or capturing my screen or whatever to send to you and to the best of my ability, get voiceover in there so that you can hear what it is or is not saying. Uh, but mostly to show you the behavior and be able to tell you what I'm doing. But I'm just going to start opening up every video. So listen, check this out. Uh, I was trying to do this in your app. For example, this Fantascal issue. So here's the thing. I brought up the little mini window with my shortcut and I switched to my unmute um, calendar set mm-hmm. in Fantascal. And then I go to the table where it should be showing me the list of uh, tasks that are over here. And I try to read it and there it says empty. And if I interact with it, it says empty and then it kicks me out. Why can't I read the tasks that are there? Because I know that they're there. This is an ongoing bug in, in Fantastical. What I just said is going to be the end of the video with the exception that I'm going to actually go through and show them what I just did. But that's that's the video. I'm done. That That is the bug report. Right. You need more information like reach out for sure. But I'm, I'm not going to try to do the job of figuring out what the problem could be trying to make a good, you know, here's, here's it working. Here's it not like, look, here's the thing that I run into. It's a problem. Like fix it. If you want me to give you some more information, you ask me questions. So I know what you need to know versus me trying to guess and give you all of the information so that we don't have to do a long back and forth. That I see pros and cons to that. I see pros because you're going to get it done more cons to are they uh, cons to it are Cons to it are, are they going to actually take you seriously and look at the videos and is it going to make a difference or are you still wasting your time? Well, here's the thing. Uh, you're, you're right. I, I see both sides of that. My response to whether it's helpful or not is in some cases, I'm not saying I'm going to do this in every case and it's not even me trying to be malicious, even though it could be taken that way. If I record a thing that shows like, hey, here's a bug uh, if I have a workaround solution for it or I want people to be wary of it because like you really need to look out for this or try to avoid this situation or if you're in this situation, you know, you may have to reboot uh, if you want this to work, whatever the case is. I'm just going to throw it up on YouTube as a short. There you go. And then we'll put some money behind it. We'll we'll put like five, ten bucks target the the now, what i the may do like that it. people really might consider to be malicious is what mike is saying which is 
<laughs> if I feel like you're ignoring a problem that is affecting my workflow, I may start to throw money at the problem, which means I'm going to advertise the hell out of the video and get your attention some kind of way. <laughs> but but it'd be interesting to see if that makes a difference because I've never seen an ad for someone saying, I, hey, never here's seen a anybody, you know? Well, you know what? People do it all the time in, in the Apple community where they, and I'm, they probably do it in other communities too, just to be fair. Don't, Apple people don't come after me. All right. Um, you know, I hang out with you. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I hang out with them. You know my feelings about Apple. Like, if they put Audio Hijack on Linux, I'm out of here. You know? uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, but they do it. You hear about it a lot in the Apple community where a, a famous YouTuber or semi-well-known YouTuber or podcaster uh, we'll post something on social media or talk about it on our show extensively and it gets all of their listeners slash followers behind the deal. And then, you know, Apple says or does something in some cases, not all the time, but in some cases. Right. So this happens. So I'm going to just start doing it. You know, listen, I'm not famous. I don't have a huge following. So I will not try to go after Apple with my small following. Fantastical, I am coming after you, though, because this bug has really been getting on my nerves for like the past five years. And I know I mentioned it before. I've sent in a support request that says, hey, sometimes the list of events or tasks in the little view disappears. That, and here's, I think, one of the problems that was brought up in this recent show that I don't know if that's where we're going, but that's where we're going, Damasi, is, you know, inconsistencies. So tell me what your process is. So let me tell you, actually, let me tell you, when I open Fantastical, my thing is, is I open Fantastical from LaunchBar. I have it set right now. I think, yep, it's set to month view. So I interact with the month and I find the day that I want to find the event on. And then I interact with that and I find the event. At that point, I'm not sure what the proper procedure is to be able to trigger a Zoom link because I try pressing VO space and that does not consistently let me interact with that specific event or I try interacting with it. How do you get to Zoom links from your Fantastical? By the way, while Demasi is saving the episode, uh, just a quick check-in, and then he will tell me about his Fantastical. Since we started recording, I did set up the clean.email account for my email. It's analyzed 7,300 messages of 390,051 emails. So it looks like it indexes all of my email. Yeah, it goes through because I think it tries. I, we we tried this once, or at yep. least I did. Uh, yep. But yep. I'm, I did too. I'm probably gonna sign up for it again because I haven't I haven't used it. Give it a shot. Uh, I remember I went in and deleted my account specifically, and so that's why it has to go in and because anything that I connect to my email, I go in and I don't just just not log into it. I go delete that shit. Same yep. box. I deleted that too. Yep, yep. you're gone. <laughs> yep. Got to get you all the way out of here because you're connected to my email. Not doing it. Um. Remind me what you said about a Zoom link. You're trying to click the Zoom link. In. Yeah, so I'm trying to click a Zoom link, and I have my Fantastical set to month view. I find the event. I interact with the – or I find the day. I interact with it. I find the event. I press VO space, and it doesn't consistently work. What's the process you use? So I see that's one of those things, right? Like that should work because otherwise why am I clicking on – well, no – so I'll tell you my process for doing that. My most of my time with Fantastical is interacted with through the the, the mini window, 
Uh, right. So I hit my keyboard shortcut and it brings up the little mini window like I'm going to add a new event, but there's also a whole calendar over there and a list of events. So I just usually use that, right? Oh. I'm not waiting for the whole app to ho- open up. I see. So you go to the month and you interact with the month? Uh, yeah, if I need to switch to a specific day, I'll interact with the month first, click on that day. And then if you stop interacting in VO right, there is a, a column list with the that day's events and, you know, do task or whatever and your past due task if you have some of those uh, okay now what i have found to be most useful in this instance is i interact with the table because i've if i'm not mistaken when it works up and down arrow will actually move you by a day or something not you know navigate that list so i interact with the list and vo right arrow left arrow to get to where i need to go if i have a meeting with a zoom link on it uh, in that instance i will interact with the event and then VO right over and click on the button that says uh, join meeting. Join, join Zoom. meeting. Yeah. Yep. The reason I interact with it and I don't find that to be a, a, a hassle is because I do like the expected behavior of if I VO space on the event, it pops up the event and so you can edit. edit it. Right. Yep. Yep. That's what I expect in month view. And it does not work that way in month view. So consistently. Now. Here's the problem with everything that I just said. So just to quickly review for people, if you're using Fantastical, I have a, and, 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 and most people probably use it just to add events, right? You hit the shortcut keys and it brings By up the default, little calendar. Control option space. Yeah. Mine is uh, to option command space. Uh, but yeah, that brings it up. Most You're already in the field to create a new event or a to-do. Just a quick short side note for people. If you're using Fantastical and you want to add a reminder or a task, you can type to-do at the beginning and then whatever it is along with the date that is due, etc. Uh, you can do the little trick to navigate it, put it in a specific list and all of that stuff. Uh, or if you know how to make one of these and I forget how to make it, if you use that little square bullet thing on Mac OS at the beginning, that will also make it a task. Uh, or you can write, but you can just type in T-O-D-O or remind me or reminder first and then whatever the thing is. And that, that tends to work also. Uh, maybe even And that throws it into your inbox and it's a doist. Yeah. Unless you select to put it on a different list. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Gotcha. Huh. So I'm going to play with this mini calendar because I avoided this. And this is so, this is what I was looking for in the main app. And it's so much nicer to just have this. I like, like a lot of people just use the mini calendar to add events. Yeah. So reviewing for people, you bring up the mini calendar. If you navigate over mine by default shows for me in month view, but I think that yep. may or may not be controllable by a setting. I always like to see month view because of, People are asking me, can you do this on this date? And I'm like, hold on. I got to look and see if there's dates on here. So that makes life easier for me. Uh, if you were to, let's say you have an event scheduled for today at 6 p.m. And you bring up your mini calendar window. You VO right arrow past the um, calendar view and all of that to the list that is right next to the calendar view. You interact with that list, you should see your events, and if you're using it for tasks or reminders, you should see those there as well, if there are some due on that day or that are past due. Here's the problem for me. Sometimes, even though there's stuff there, I know there's stuff on my calendar at this time because I'm trying to get to the Zoom button to join the meeting. You interact with the table, and it says table empty, and there's no way to get it to work. Like I will... Exit the window and bring it back up. I will 
you know, exit the window. I will quit the the process. Bring it like it. It just doesn't come up. I don't know. I, there's not a specific set of steps that I can recommend to say do things exactly in this way at this time of day when it's not raining, and you can reproduce this bug. But it just occurs. And it usually occurs for me at the most inopportune time because I'm about to be late to a Zoom meeting and I don't know where the email is, don't have time to search for it. Quickest uh-huh. thing is click the link on the calendar. Yep. You know what? I can't get the calendar to come up and show me the list of events. Now, I hear what Mike is probably going to get to in a second here if he hasn't already. Just open up the full Fantastical app and go to the event. But then I run into the problem that Michael just highlighted, which is I go in, I interact with the day, I interact with the event, and guess what? There's no button for me to click. There's no you know button what? to click. I can't make it come up in edit mode right now either so that I can even just copy the link copy out of the and thing. Pay, yep. So you then you fall you have back to, to the email. At you least fall that's back to either searching for the email or if for whatever reason it is reading out the full link of the zoom ah. vo shift c and then go paste in drafts and edit till you get to the link and copy it or you pull out your phone if you're really desperate like me and you're like okay we're gonna join from the phone or i'm gonna figure out how to share this link from my phone and airdrop it to the mac or something right yeah. but the bottom line is the app that i'm using is not doing what i need it to do which is it's, uh it's it, not consistent it, it, that's the problem it's not consistent and the show uh, Double uh, Double Tap had uh, Kayaker on recently. I think it was Wednesday's episode. Yep. What I just described is may have gone completely over some people's heads. You're like, man, I have no idea what this dude just said. I don't even care because I just used a regular calendar app. Perfectly fine. I accept that I'm using a third party app. The things that Kayaker was talking about, and I've experienced some of them, some of them I have not. Uh but we'll link to it in the show notes here on pay.com slash TW. You can give it a listen. It was a pretty good episode, actually, uh, along with the other topic they discussed. Uh, yes. You know, uh, reading up on that travel training, man. But <laughs> a lot of the things that he did mention are basic core. Fe- well, everything he talked about was just core features of Mac OS, like how Mac OS should behave with voiceover for everyone, because whether you're a beginner user or you're some super secret high level. I can't tell you where I work at super agent, uh, like kayaker, uh, you expect VO left and right arrow to navigate you where it's supposed to navigate you. Right arrow, VO right arrow, next element, VO left arrow, previous element, and they should remain in the same order. So if I go down a list as one, two, three going forward with VO right arrow, when I go backward, I should get three, two, one, not three, one, Two, two, Sometimes. three. <laughs> it's like, wait, where am I yes. now? Like, so you, th- go ahead. You see that a lot. I think it's interesting, and this is where we go back to the consistency. You see that a lot in text editing, but both Damasi and I literally earlier this episode said we prefer to edit text on the Mac, and it's not because it's consistent, but I've been in applications. I forget the edit field that I was in the other day, but I went to go, well, pretty much any edit field. When I try to navigate that edit field and and make changes to letters, a lot of times you don't actually know where you are. And it has nothing to do with voiceover speaking the word the letter before or after the deletion location. Its focus is is either moved or more aptly 
voiceover is reading something that focus is not on. So if you're trying to delete the third character back and you tap your left arrow twice, you would expect to tap the backspace once and delete that third character back. However, if there's uh, a letter that the that's not related to that character and voiceover reads that, you don't know what you actually deleted until you go back and read the word. And that is a time suck. So... That's a time suck and it's frustrating. I have seen this and honestly, I've seen that most often on the web, mm-hmm. like in, in edit fields on the web, but I have also seen it in, you know, documents in Mac apps. Uh, let's say you have the words, you know, a good day, but you have three O's instead of two and good. And you're trying to navigate and delete that. Sometimes voiceover will run words together in a way <laughs> where, and you're like, okay, I, or let's say I'm trying to read through this and I'm starting at the beginning. I will get a, and then when I option right arrow again, a good, like, wait, hold yep. on, wait, yep. you already read the a part. Why are you reading yep. the a? And now keep in mind, I didn't say, you know, I hear you yelling at your, your device. I did not say option shift right arrow, just option right arrow move by word. A good. What? No. So where am I? Okay, let me left arrow because I should be at the end of good. Though. So let me left arrow to get to the other side of this D, hit backspace, and then I've deleted the O. Nope, you're in front of the G. How did yep. this happen? I am so confused, right? Yep. And you can't explain this, right? I, I just tried to, and you don't understand it unless you've experienced it. <laughs> if you have not experienced it, it's gibberish to you. If you have experienced it, you're like, yep, that's exactly how it works, right? You can't explain that to somebody that doesn't experience it. And I'm kind of like kayaker in a lot of ways. Are there people inside of Apple that are actually using the same version of voiceover that they are releasing to the rest of us? Because I know there are people inside of Apple that rely on voiceover. But But, are they using the same version that we are using? You know what the problem is? I'm going to tell you what the problem is right now. Here's the problem. Here's the solution. It's all this third-party software. You just need to use Apple stuff and don't change any settings from how they did it, and you'll be fine. It'll take you all day to get your work done, but hey, there won't be it's any okay. bugs though. Just just do it our way. It's you're you're doing it wrong. I will say <laughs> thank you for this numpad, Commander Apple. I've been ma- navigating my Mac with my right hand, man. That's well, uh, steady there. Uh, so I've been using the Mac and it's been going pretty good. I navigate with headings and my zero key. The four and six take me reliably back and forward. I'm arrowing da- uh, like up and down, left and right, with two eight left and uh, four and six in this mini calendar. So there's this numpad commander is pretty cool uh i assigned the return key by itself to be actions um i assigned the hyphen key to be announcements and announcements are things like this page is accessing your microphone changes setting in your uh menu bar or something like that so so that could that could be something that's powerful and allison brought up a good point the other day because i was like telling her how excited i was about this and then again there's hundreds of options in here she goes stop that's the problem there's hundreds of options i'm like yeah i know it's overwhelming but when you do dig into those options you do find that announcements menu and that can be helpful I mean, that's a problem, but that's also a reality, right? Because there are probably, there are hundreds of options of ways you can configure JAWS. Yes. And the only reason there are not 
as many options for configuring NVDA is because they had the advantage of seeing what was making Jaws bloated, I think, maybe one thing. And it could just be, you know, just constrained resources. But there's an add-on architecture there for uh, NVDA where there's not that for Jaws so, or VoiceOver. So VoiceOver Jaws have to put everything into the pa- the software package that they can or that they think people are going to want to use or that they want people to have the ability to use. Whereas NVDA can cover all of the basics, the, the necessities, you've got to have this stuff and leave some of the extra niceties to add-ons, whether they create the add-ons or, you know, developers in the community create the add-ons. So it, it becomes less bloated. So there's not as many options. I mean, you look at voiceover. Yeah, there are literally hundreds of options and hundreds of ways of configuring this. But if you don't know any of that, you it does not affect your ability to work. Uh, because everything else still works the way that it does. You know, VO left and right will always get you where you need to go. If you're a quick nav user, you never have to learn a whole bunch of the commands that me and Michael probably use day in and day out because you're just using quick nav and it, it, greatly contracts the number of keys that you need to press first and foremost is one of the reasons I think a lot of people like it is they don't have to do VO everything in order to do something uh, because they're using quick nav for me the numpad commander like yeah if you sit there and try to configure it at one time you're going to overwhelm yourself I have been and I think me and my I don't know if this was in the last show or we just had a conversation here's that problem again but me and Michael were talking about like setting uh, I think we did cover this in the last show setting up you know so no modifier with the numpad is one set of commands, but control, yeah, because Michael put it on uh, Mastodon. I saw that post. Uh, <laughs> using control in numpad uh, commander keys is going to trigger some automations, whether it's a shortcut or a script or things like that, which for me, that is an advantage uh, because sighted users that want to, in most cases, press a keyboard modifier in a key to run a script have to go use some sort of third-party solution. Uh, yep. You know, in, unless it's shortcuts. And I'll, yeah, I think maybe in services you might be able to set a shortcut as a as a shortcut key, you know, binding. Uh, but before shortcuts was on the Mac, uh, and even with just ra- random scripts that you may want to run, you know, there was Fast Scripts from the guy who does Mars Edit, uh, Daniel Jockett over at Red Sweater. Uh, fast Scripts who let you set up uh key key bindings key mappings to run specific little scripts uh, or you would be using something like keyboard maestro uh, in order to facilitate better touch that. tools probably better touch tool yep that that's another option out there man i really wish that out was more accessible just for some of the stuff you could do could you imagine being able to use your trackpad which you probably never touch well you don't even have one at the moment do you uh but getting a magic trackpad in your case uh, or having a magic trackpad like the one I have over here somewhere. I don't know where it is because I don't use it. Uh, but you're editing in Reaper and a two finger flick down in Reaper and Reaper only would split the track. Yeah. Uh, a three finger flick down would split all the tracks at the same spot. Like, wouldn't that be nice? That would be, I mean, we could set that up probably, but yeah, it would, but yeah. with a lot more work than if Better Touch Tool itself were accessible enough for you to configure that to happen. Something like Better Touch Tools. Can you can you set something up like that? Yeah, you can set something up like that using Better Touch Tool. Okay. The problem is Better Touch Tool is not, or at least last time I looked at it, I hadn't looked recently. Uh, Got to admit, I hadn't looked since mm, probably sometime early pandemic. Ah, I will actually tell you when the last time I looked at it was. It was shortly after I got that M1 MacBook Pro from you. 
because it had the touch bar and better touch tool has some customization stuff you could do with the touch bar. That's the last time I looked at it. Uh, so whatever that was okay. two years ago, at least. Yep. That would have been about two years ago. So tell you what, let's follow up on that and try it because better touch tool is in setup. Yeah, you can try it. Okay. I will try it. Because Marty told me that they have support for Stream Deck now. I won't get the Stream Deck back from Ben, but I'll see if it's configurable. <laughs> we'll oh, man. I want to check out one of these new devices, though. Uh, well, I don't think they're new, new, but um, John V, we'll call him, from uh, Mac Stories wrote an article about using the, the it's like the alternative to the to the Stream Deck or, or a competitor to the Stream Deck. Gotcha. Uh, they seem to be a little cheaper prices. One reason I was interested, but it seems that all of their buttons, if I remember right, were physical, at least for the one he was talking about, were all physical, like hard buttons. Mm-hmm. Like they're, So I think about checking it out. Um, and I think I heard from someone somewhere that their app for configuring it or the way to configure it was, was accessible uh, or more so than what it is with the uh, with the stream deck. Okay. I, don't, I don't need one though, so it'll probably be a while before I get one. Unless we get a lot more, uh, you know, subscribers, and then we'll buy one for the show to tell you how it worked. But and otherwise, then we'll, we'll let you know if it works, and maybe sell you one, and maybe give it away if we decide we don't like it. Uh, <laughs> there you go. As long as Ben doesn't see it. <laughs> oh man, Ben with two stream decks, <laughs> right? Oh man, man, two stream decks and one camera. <laughs> man. <laughs> Oh, so you wanted to chat about the recent changes to Apple or no? Yep. You wanted nope, to do Apple nope. follow-up. There's a thing. There's Apple follow-up. Yeah. So last week I was talking about the thing where uh, Apple and Google and some of the other tracker makers were uh, coming up with a spec or, or uh, some framework, a guiding framework for how we would be able to prevent or discourage uh, unlawful tracking of people. So this is, you know, somebody tapes an air tag to the bottom of your car because they want to steal it later when you're parked somewhere safer for them to steal it or, you know, abusive spouses or, or whatnot uh, or whatever tracking, you know, people that don't want to be tracked. Right. So against their will. And I mentioned that I did not care for the potential of Apple and Google creating this this framework and there being a database that was going to be created out there where law enforcement supposedly under a lawful you know subpoena etc would be able to just go into this database and figure out who an air tag belonged to i also erroneously said that they would also be able to see where you had been i was absolutely wrong about that <laughs> uh completely uh, I, I at least remember that's kind of the impression I gave. I don't know if I explicitly said that or not. I should listen to my own show, but I don't because I said it. So I said it. And if I didn't say it, then I didn't. Uh, I can look at the transcript if I really needed to figure out if I said something. You could. But point being, though. Because there is a transcript of all the shows if you didn't know it at, in your show notes. <laughs> <laughs> Mike was going to give out a link and then he got stuck. And I know what happened and I can't even tell you why he got stuck, but I'm pretty sure I know why he got stuck because he was going to give you the wrong URL. 
Uh, well, I was going to say you're on pay.com slash TW, which will still work, but I wasn't sure if I wanted to use that or, or the transition domain, but that's obviously not in place yet, so I'm not going to use that. So right. you're on pay.com slash TW, we'll have the show notes, or look in your podcatcher app of choice for a transcript. And if they don't show you show notes, get a different app. Yes. But I want to um, up- update people on what I have learned since. So first of all, there already is a database of who owns what air tags. And I kind of knew this, but it's sort of one of those things like you know it and it just is not relevant because I was assuming from the way that the story was reported and how I at least interpreted it initially without extra information, which I did say I didn't have. Um that there was going to be a whole new data and that whole new database created where like, Oh, we're going to build a thing that does not exist in the world so that law enforcement, et cetera, can access this when they need to, to figure out who this air tag belongs to that, you know, is in this lady's vehicle. Well, what I didn't think about is Apple already has all of that information. They're not giving it away to anyone, but if the FBI or local law enforcement in a jurisdiction comes with the proper paperwork to say, hey, we have found this device. Here's its serial number. We need to know who it belongs to. Apple can tell them that. That makes, I mean, that's sensible. And again, it's one of those things I kind of knew and just wasn't thinking about it in the full context. Because when you buy an AirTag, you have to register to an Apple ID. Well, Apple knows who the Apple ID belongs to because you're signed in with it and you have information and you probably have a credit card attached. <laughs> right. So no biggie. So that was me being a little, uh, not having read all the document, all the information about the whole deal or whatnot, uh, being a little misinformed. So Apple is already doing this. I'm cool with the way Apple is doing it because I, I trust Apple not to just, you know, have my stuff hanging out there. I was concerned that there was going to be a, a, a database in the U S that, the federal government somehow was going to be some some rando company was going to be responsible for securing. That was my concern with that concern, you know, delayed fears delayed. Nothing is going to happen. It's fine. Assuming Google is going to do a similar thing. If they ever start selling trackers themselves, uh, don't know what tile is doing, but I wouldn't buy a tile anyway. Never did buy one and never would buy one. If I were going to buy anything, it would be air attacks. The other thing that I was wrong about also is, and this is really just me forgetting the original spec, because AirTags have been around now, what, like three years? Yeah, because they came out in 21, two years, because they came out in 21, right? Yeah, because everyone's like, oh, you're releasing those now when no one's But nobody can go anywhere. Yeah, yeah. So, uh the technical the, the technical details behind it go look them up if you're really super interested i know most people wouldn't care but basically no one has the ability to see where your air tag is or has been except for you ah uh so in a case of let's say if you know me and mike hung out this summer and then i left to go back to uh i almost said georgia alabama and um <laughs> left the air tag in the room, Mike would be able to tell that there is an air tag there because he's physically there in that location, right? And the air tag is near him and it does not belong to him. However, what Michael could never do and what law enforcement also would not be able to do is look at the air tag and get the information even from Apple of, oh, well, in addition to being in this room right now, at this moment, this air tag was also at the Houston airport and it was at the Atlanta airport and it's been yeah. to the Hawaiian airport, right? They can't do any of that. You can go do that by looking through your history, but nobody else has the ability to do that, including Apple. Uh, and that's how they built the air tag structure so that nobody can look at your previous 
history, right? The only way you're going to know where air, my AirTag is there with you is because your phone is going to alert you that there's an unknown AirTag with you. And even at that point, you won't know that it's mine. You just know that it's there. Law enforcement could, however, go get a subpoena and have Apple give them the name of the person associated with the serial number of said AirTag. So now the police know that that is my AirTag. Again, they still couldn't tell where else it has been other than where it happened to be when they found it. So uh, some of what I said, I still stand by about the way Apple seems to be a little slipping with their app store stuff and, and, and you know, advertising and they're shutting off third party advertising. All of that stuff, I still stand by that. I was completely wrong about the rest of the stuff with the air tags and the database though. So there we go. Very good. I was wrong. <laughs> See, you got to admit that sometimes. Now you have questions for me where I probably will be wrong as well. And I have 500 feet of ethernet cable in our back seat. <laughs> so what I don't know, I will be learning. Oh, and an unmanaged switch. So we'll see where this goes. Hey man, listen though, on a side note for a second, before I ask you about this thing, uh, you're probably not going to use all of that. Let me know if you, uh, you don't want to recoup some of your investment. Uh, let's see if it makes sense to, for me to be the one to help you recoup some of that investment uh, at some point. Once you're done with your project, I'm not in any major hurry. Uh, Because the thing I'm about to ask you about right now is sold out. (laughs) (laughs) I got your message that you sent me. You can listen to what you said. And honestly, I was thinking about not being a nice friend back and saying, well, you should have just bought it and then asked your questions and then returned it if you didn't like it. Uh, Because I I was surprised that you found it at that rate. (laughs) So I thought about doing that. And the only reason I held off is... uh, I was Especially gonna, since you already have half of it. <laughs> I know, right? So here's the thing. I kind of have pretty much decided I'm going to buy it. But let's get into the conversation. I'll, I'll tell you why I didn't buy it earlier and then just return it. So one, I was also afraid I might forget to ask you about it on the show because it was before I came up with this idea of putting stuff in to-do is to look at it. So then what happens? Uh, but yeah, no. and we both know that that won't always work. <laughs> <laughs> So, Mike, I wanted to follow up. I know you mentioned it. We we talked about it when you first got it. Uh, but tell me about your experience right now with with the Dream Router from Ubiquity, uh, and kind of like how, how you're feeling about it and what your plans are going forward. Um, it works, and that's a positive thing. We don't really think about it much. Uh, we were joking around about Ethernet cables and switches and stuff because I am going to have to expand extend what we have and since i'm extending it i want to do it the right way so the problem that we're trying to solve is our ubiquity dream router we call it mcdreamy yes from uh whatever that one medical show that a lot of people watch and it is living in our living room and that's where the modem is for our cable router uh, or I'm, I'm sorry for where our cable is. And so quick side note, Spectrum has legitimate Braille on the ports for that modem. I was looking at it today and they had A and B and I'm like, oh, those are just dots. But then I found the internet port and it had an I. And then I found the power port and it had a P next to it. So I thought that was kind of cool that it had uh, cool. Braille. That is nice. It, yeah. I don't know which, but I could probably look it up. But anyways, so the dream router is there and uh andrew who is probably a bigger gamer than ben if not pretty close is on the opposite side of the house upstairs 
And Benjamin is directly above the Dream Router. So Benjamin has never complained about internet because <laughs> he's right above it and it seems to work for what he needs. But Andrew's getting easily uh uh horrible ping rate and i don't remember exact numbers i want to say he was getting like 250 millisecond ping rate on some of his games and he was also getting very slow download rate to his computer well his computer is a lenovo computer that has an ethernet jack on it so i said okay well let's try to run a wired connection to your computer and see if that fixes it because anyone who's into gaming and internet connections know that wired is always better before we did that, though, our intention was, hey, let's just put an access point upstairs and we'll be able to have Wi-Fi up there and that'll fix Andrew's Internet. And that would work, but you're going to lose Internet speed if you don't hardwire the access point to the originating base station. So at that point, I said, well, that means I'm going to have to run cable upstairs anyways. So that's what transitioned us into running a hardwire to Andrew's computer so he can use that. But the plan at some point in the very near future is to get a wireless access point upstairs. And uh, right now, I think all of that's going to be accessible for what I need. And I'm not doing a lot of advanced networking right now, but if I wanted to, it looks like as long as I'm not using Safari with voiceover on the Mac, I can do anything <laughs> I want with the ubiquity router. <laughs> oh, man. So See right now, I went with that. I brought it back to how we, Oh <laughs> yeah. So right now you just have just the dream router and that's doing your uh, Wi-Fi as well. So there's, there's not any other Wi-Fi access. Okay. No, okay. so that's, no that's, the Dream that's Router decent. gives us the Wi-Fi. So the Dream Router is doing Wi-Fi and all internet routing. Right now I have one VOIP phone plugged into the Dream Router uh, with one of the PoE Ethernet ports. And that's the, oh, no, and the Raspberry Pi is plugged into it with a non-PoE Ethernet port. Hmm. Wouldn't it be cool if you could power the Raspberry Pi off of a PoE port? It would be awesome. Um, okay. So I'll tell you why I didn't buy this. And, and from my perspective, Michael said one of the most important things that you can say about any kind of equipment that you're using, especially if it's something like internet equipment, like you shouldn't have to think about it. Like it just works. We don't think about it. Like it's not a thing. Uh, that's, that's good. That means as, as complex as that router can be, it is not so complex that you have to deal with, you know, you can, you can deal with it on your own terms instead of, you know, being forced to learn all of the esoterics of networking in order to get it to just work. So that's, that's, that is a good sign for the ubiquity gear. Mike's had his a couple of months now, a few months now. So I want to kind of review, like, you know, is anything jumping out at you? Like, man, I kind of hate this part. It's like me with Eros, except I already knew what I was getting into when I bought the Eros. So my complaints about them today are the same as they were before I bought them. They just happened to be the thing that I could afford that was going to just work at the point in time that I needed it to. I didn't know. Go ahead. I was just going to say, it works. I haven't ran into anything I personally can't do. I don't know that Mallory's ran into any limitations. It is set up under her account, and then she invited me, so we don't even have to share a login, which I think, yep, with Eero, you had to enter a phone number, and if someone else wanted to sign in, um, I don't know if you could invite them to your Eero account. but They've since added that, but that's more okay. recent. Uh, yeah, it was not there even when I bought mine, so. Okay, yeah. 
That's another that thing, you, you know, that, yeah. that whole security model being handled correctly there by Ubiquity uh, makes a lot of sense to me just as a day-to-day operations thing. Now, I was going to buy one of these, and I've, I've been going back and forth, and I finally, finally settled on getting the Dream Router. I was looking at the Dream Machine uh, SE uh, because it did have some more advanced stuff, and it gave me more ports, which means I wouldn't have to have a switch back here uh, or Ethernet hub back here because this is just a completely straight up dumb, you know, plug in one end to the part that's going to give it internet and then the rest of the ports, you just plug in Ethernet stuff. It's that dumb. There's no interface, no nothing. It's never going to be. That's, uh, that's the switch that Mallory picked up today. Like it's, it, it will have no smarts at all, but we'll be able to separate that with the Dream Router. Uh, so, it would have allowed me to have removed that devices back here because most of the stuff that I'm using back here in the back of the house uh, in the office is uh, Ethernet. So like the printer is on Ethernet. That's mostly because I didn't want to have to have uh, Tia fight. We're trying to get it on Wi-Fi. Uh, and oftentimes, from what I hear from some people, your printers just disconnect from the Wi-Fi for some random reason. Like, oh, I forgot that there was a network that I was supposed to be talking to. Yeah, I didn't want to deal with that problem. So... Uh, that's Etherneted. The Mac Mini's Etherneted. I'm currently on Ethernet on the laptop, and uh, then of course the Eros plugged in some more stuff. So there's that thing. Um, so I was gonna get the SE, and what pushed me away from the SE is one: it's a little bit more money than I feel comfortable spending right now, and to get the best price for it, I would have to buy it direct from Ubiquity, Amazon. Everywhere else I see it online is uh, anywhere between 80, well, anywhere between 70 and more above MSRP, uh, which is 499 for the SE. Uh, I'm not going to spend nearly 600 bucks, over 600 bucks after tax for something that costs 499 direct from the manufacturer uh, just, you know, so I can get payment, get a payment plan. You know, you know what? Screw it. I will get the and then also discovered which I, I probably knew but actually looking looking at the time like okay let me help let me make a decision between the uh dream machine se and the dream router oh the se doesn't have wi-fi built in all right mm. yeah yeah because what that would have done for me is i already have an access point michael mentioned this if he wasn't you know hadn't already bought the switch i was gonna try to uh i wish i hadn't opened this thing i wonder if they you know but anyway too late I have an access point because I bought one in early access because it was very heavily discounted. I was like, that'll probably be enough to get me started. That access point has to go to the front of the house because nothing else up there is going to be able to, you know, there's no other way to get internet up there. So that would have left me with no Wi-Fi access point of any sort back here in the back of the house. And our house isn't that big. But it's big enough. But it's big enough that if I were to put this, uh, put the, the, uh, the uh, unit I have to put up for Wi-Fi in the living room where I want to put it uh, and where it kind of makes sense for it to be, then I probably will have no Wi-Fi back here where I'm sitting at right now, which means my phone wouldn't be on Wi-Fi or we'll barely have Wi-Fi connectivity back here. Um, so it's like, all right, that, that two things. I save 200 bucks and I get Wi-Fi. All right, cool. I can deal with the knockoff of my speed a little bit because, uh, you know, I'm paying for gigabit internet because, hey, it wasn't that much more than 300 megabits a second. Uh, 
<laughs> so I'm good as far as that goes. So now you had some questions. To me, it sounds like you're just talking yourself into buying it your, uh, independently. Nope. So I already had decided to buy it because you, you have not been complaining about it. Uh, I did yeah. want to ask some questions like just to kind of get, you know, your your opinion of it right now, what you're doing, because we did talk about it several shows ago and I wanted to loop back around to it to have you kind of tell people what, what you were thinking about it. I pretty much decided to buy it unless like, well, Mike isn't going to give me any showstoppers uh, mm. because he would have already have given them to me. Right. Yeah. Even without it coming up as a topic. But I decided since, well, since we're going to talk about it on the show, I'll ask Mike and then I was going to ask you, well, Mike, you know, should I go ahead and just buy this dream router? And you say yes. And I was going to go online and buy it while we were still recording the show. They're out of stock today, though. <laughs> so Demoxy's going to get one when they're back in stock. And maybe you should go check out that tool that uh, Crosstalk has so you'll know when it's back in stock. Oh, uh, yeah, I should go look at that. Well, I did tell them to email me. Well, uh, go try that tool. <laughs> <laughs> so apparently Ubiquity does not email people. <laughs> that is that is my understanding from reading comments and why that tool is important. I don't know what it costs or if it's worth it or not, but it, if that's what you want, I would I would say check it out. Yeah, that's, that, that gives me Wi-Fi in the back and then the access point will give me Wi-Fi up front. Uh, what I think I'm going to do as far as Ethernet uh, to the access point was going to be I thought about trying it out in the hallway so I, I think I may do that like try it try it at different spots and see which one gives me the best coverage for the house in general uh, without too much you know overlap so get it far enough away but yeah I did have some questions we've talked about most of them here and there uh, you haven't been doing any like advanced networking stuff with it so none of those questions are, are relevant at the moment and you at answered the, the most important one uh I don't think about it because it works. So yeah. it's, it's kind of done at that point. So 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 I don't think about it. And for the most part, the rest of the family doesn't complain about it. Well, good deal. Only person having a problem is implied Andrew. when I say I don't think about it. Right. That's the thing, right? That, that again, nobody, you don't think about it because nobody's talking about it. And that's how it needs to work is nobody thinks about it. So you don't have to talk about it. Yeah, so Double Tap recently had an episode that I found to be very intriguing, and I'm not even going to attempt to remember the names. It was Scott, and I forget her name, that was on there. And they were talking about a new initiative that they got going on in partnership with The Globe, an internet radio station, called Reaper Teacher. And first of all, I really like that domain name, reaperteacher.com. I won't forget it. It's like Reaper Accessibility. It's one of those names you won't forget get reaper teacher though outlines some details about live calls how you can get replays and how you can get information about their uh non-recorded calls as well but when they were talking about it it really made me think a bit about how i'm using reaper and demasi has been seeing me use reaper and make changes to it since i recently talked to jacob over at ami for example and i like to tell people this to me, it's huge, and to others, it might be as well, but it also might just be a little thing. When I'm doing a time selection, I found a lot of times I would have to do the time selection, uh, start it, end it, go to the beginning of the time selection, and then, or 
a lot of times when I'm doing a time selection, I'd have to start it and then end it and then delete it and then play the audio back after I go back a little bit and see if it sounds good. And if it doesn't, then undo the delete, uh, modify the time selections and redelete it. And it could be done. And I got super fast at doing it. But Jacob said, well, why don't you just make some of your own keystrokes? And so now when I'm ending a time selection, I've said it. So when I tap the right bracket, that moves the playback to the beginning of the time selection. It rewinds a couple of seconds and then it plays skipping the time selection. So that means I can hear what that edit sounds like before I make any changes to it. And if I say, oh, I took in too much of that breath, I can hold my command key and tap the left or right bracket to adjust whatever part I need to or the option key. And then I can use option space to play back skipping the time selection and hear how that edit sounds. And since I've made that workflow change, it's drastically increased the amount of time that I am editing audio and it's helped with the workflow as well. So that's interesting. Um, because you told me about this and I don't think I quite understood before now that what you had previously been doing is making your time selection, deleting it, and then then playing back to see what it sounded yeah. like. I, I, I started that way because I think that's the way I learned it. But I, um, at some point when I edited in Reaper, I, I started doing the time selection and manually doing what you have made this action to do. So that, that, that action fits my life perfectly for editing because I would skip back to the beginning of the time selection and then skip back just a bit more so I could, you know, get a good, good starting point and hit the option space on the Mac, which is probably all space on. No, yep. maybe, yeah. All space on windows. Okay. Yep. Uh, to make it play and skip the time selection. And then as you said, what I would do if, Oh, I got too much of that or I didn't cut enough of that off or it caught the first beginning part of that. Use the appropriate key commands to, you know, nudge, nudge the, your time nudge, yeah, nudge the time selecting, you know, forward or backwards, uh, and just keep doing that. And that's kind of just been the way that I edited. So I, I didn't understand that you were, you were doing it the, the, you know, make the time selection, delete, play. Oh, no, that's not good. Undo, mm-hmm. you know, redo it. So even. And I did that for years. Like, I. I oh, I did it for a long time. I, I yeah. can't even remember who gave. I think it was when I was listening to somebody and it probably was Garth in one of his later episodes because I didn't run through all of that content when he first put it out on Audio Pizza and, and with, mm-hmm. the audio, with the Reaper. Uh, Re- Ray Producer, that's what he called it. Uh, I didn't run through that content instantly as he put it out because I was still trying to get comfortable with Reaper back in those days. Right. Yeah. So I edited like that for the longest time. And I think at some point somewhere I discovered either he mentioned it or. Or was uh, that Reaper class that you were taking? Too? It could, could have, have been, been the Reaper class that I was taking where option space would you know, play your, you know, play to play and skip your time selection. And when I was, I had to be Garth because I was doing that before the, the Reaper class. Ah. Actually, I do remember now because I was yeah. doing a lot more of our editing for DM show too <clears throat> back then. So, and that's kind of been a well, but the action or the shortcut that you have set up and created and set up uh, for doing that and with one keystroke is a lot more efficient even than you know, the way that I tend to edit there. But it's different that we both, you know, we're editing in a slightly different way, but the most efficient way we both arrive, arrived at that same point, which is 
you know, make your end time selection and, hey, jump back to the beginning of the time selection, skip back by a second and then play. And when you're putting those actions together, because that's literally what you do when you have four and you go in and build your own actions in Reaper to assign those actions to a keystroke, you're starting from where you want the end result to be to get back to that section. And once you figure that out, it makes it a lot easier to create it. And then you just build out the actions. So for me, I said, well, what I need to do when I hit that right bracket is I need to go to the beginning of the time selection. So I found the go to beginning of time selection. Then I need to go back a couple of seconds. So I go back a couple of seconds and I find that action. Then I press, or then I need to be able to play skipping that. And I find that. And then all of a sudden that right bracket becomes that, that list of actions that can run in that order. I will tell you, it does have a side effect and maybe I need to work on making some adjustments to some key maps. And that's another thing that Jacob brought to my attention is you need to you don't need to stick with what the default key maps are. But for example, if I'm trying to make a quick edit and I just want to add a right bracket to mark something that that's where I want to end. When I add that right bracket to mark the ending, it does what it tells me to do. So if my, my, my start selection is way back five minutes, the before then, then, uh, it's gonna be kind of a mess. So, mm. you know, yeah, yeah. There, I've I've gotten around that because now I just drop a marker and then I'll go back to where I want to start the time selection, use apostrophe to jump to the marker, drop an end time selection at that point, and then I can hear the edit. Ah, but that's a good it's just a, wor- a workflow change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what they were talking about on Double Tap was uh, one of the things that Scott highlighted. And I think it's it's kind of valuable to start thinking about this when it comes to accessibility. Um, there's no one way fits all solution right sometimes you're you have to deal with it you know what what the facts are on the ground uh and sometimes you know you have more flexibility so what scott was talking about is the fact that the people behind reaper itself the team at carcos are is a small team uh it's not not a large team of people don't have a ton of money uh going around like that you know they're not apple or microsoft so while they do things inside of Reaper to increase accessibility uh, when they're mm-hmm. able to and when it makes sense, the main part that has made Reaper so accessible for us from the time that I started using it, which I think at this point might have been about six years ago, 2017, sound about right, Mike? 2017, yeah. 2018? Yep. It was before I left Atlanta, so yeah, it had to be 2017 or earlier. Uh, you know, is Osara and Osara is a completely separate from Kakos. It's not associated with Reaper. Reaper can't tell them what to do. They can't tell Reaper what to do. But because they're working together, if there's a thing that's going to make life better or a feature or functionality that needs to be added that is strictly related to screen reader users, especially, uh, then that's a thing that Osara covers. And while, you know, Sean asked a good question, I thought it was a very good question that he asked, which is, isn't that kind of giving, you know, the people at Kakos out to not have to deal with things with accessibility? And the way Scott answered it was was perfect, which is, 
In this instance, no, because we're making changes that are specific for screen reader users across the board, which it doesn't make sense for them to put the development time in being such a small team when we have a product over here that can resolve the problem, right? There's a way for us to resolve it. That's not always, unfortunately, the case. Uh, you know, and he, again, Scott made a very good point about, say, logic on the Mac, right? If there's a problem with logic, you're not going to get that instant bug fix for accessibility. You're going to have to wait till Apple wants to release the next feature, the next release of logic. They're not going to rush out a release because all of a sudden you can't split track with voiceover yeah. and logic. You're just screwed uh, until they push out an update. Whereas if Cocos were to go in and break something or, or make a change that significantly or, or, you know, kind of denigrated the ability to do certain things in Reaper, Osara could easily step in and get that fixed fairly quickly, uh, depending on how difficult the problem was. That model works in that case. And I like the fact that, uh, and that's not going to work in every scenario. Like I can't go in and fix the problem in Fantastical at all. Nope. Even if I knew how to fix it, I couldn't go fix it because it's closed source software. It's not open source. Uh, and there's not a, you know, API or whatever for Fantastic Out where there is an API for Reaper. And me and Michael have talked about this in the past when it came to Todoist and some of our struggles with fix this, break those seven things. Oh, we fixed four of those now. Oh, well, we broke something else. They do have an API. It is entirely possible, not today for me to do it, uh, but it's entirely possible that anyone can go out and write a, a Todoist client that is more accessible for screen reader users and still provides some useful functionality. I don't think we could insert it on top of the Todoist app the way that Osara works in Reaper, but we could write an interface, right? That that could be a thing that could be done by the community if we wanted to do is to be more accessible or if we wanted a more accessible, you know, Gmail interface. And it all comes down to communication. And on that note, I'm going to wrap it up, Demasi, because I told Mallory I'd be done in five minutes. And according to this Apple script, I have 31 seconds. So... <laughs> <laughs> How can people contact us? And thank you again to our awesome subscriber. Yes, thank you very much. And you can follow us. Uh, you can go to yourownpay.com slash TW to get the show and uh, get the show notes if they're not in your podcast catcher. Uh, you can go to Damasi, that's D-A-M-A-S-H-E dot yourownpay.com and catch me on Mastodon, and you can go to michael.yourownpay.com to catch him on Mastodon. And soon, soon there will be a show account. Yes. Not this week, though. Maybe next week. And we've got over by 11 seconds.